You're listening to Interviews, the podcast that cracks the entrepreneurship code. I'm your host, Laurent Autain. I'm an entrepreneur, coach to entrepreneurs, and startup mentor with more than 20 years' experience running companies and advising entrepreneurs. Being an entrepreneur is the most difficult job there is. There are no practical guidelines. So join me every week and learn how you can better navigate your entrepreneurship journey and become an exceptional entrepreneur. This is episode 124. My guest is Aaron Clymer, the founder and CEO of Data Clymer, a next-gen data and analytics consulting firm that empowers every client's success by unlocking the value of data. The Data Climber team helps their clients get data-driven answers quickly, break data silos, address lacks of reporting capabilities, and provide more data engineering resources. Aaron previously established and built the product intelligence team at Salesforce for seven years to support all data and analytics needs of 400 plus product managers. Then he headed up data at PopSugar where his team democratized data and supported analytics science across the company. Aaron has grown Data Climber over the past six years into a nationwide team of deeply experienced cloud data professionals. And I guess by now you have figured that Aaron loves data. <laughs> Hello, Aaron. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. It's great to be here. So like I said, you love data. <laughs> so tell us a little, about, tell us a little bit about your journey. Well, I had been thinking about that for a long time, probably like a lot of people out there in corporate, corporate, the corporate world, mm. um, you know, sometimes the thought crosses your mind, hey, maybe I shouldn't work for, quote, the man and I should uh, work for myself. And uh, what would that look like? You know, and I had spent 20 years in Silicon Valley, San Francisco Bay Area, you know, high tech kind of center of the world, really. And thinking and, and there. Every day, people are thinking about launching new products, right? It's new yeah. high-tech products in general. That's the discussion everywhere you go. How do you raise VC money? How do you get you know a company started? And I don't know for some reason or another. I'm not sure exactly why, but I didn't. I wasn't attracted to like a product route for a business. Mm -hmm. I'd always thought about a services route, and uh, maybe it's just because it seems a lot easier, <laughs> and you don't have to raise tons <laughs> of capital. Um, it's just much more of a cash flow business. So. I, I've thought about that for a long time, 10 years, you know, plus, and I think I finally felt comfortable with enough experience under my belt, um, having really figured out where I exactly I'd like to play. And that turned out to be data warehousing specifically. Um, mm. and I, I, I sort of, um, took, um, I looked just kind of introspectively looked at my, my history at, at that time, about six years ago. And I looked and I'd been at Salesforce for you know seven, eight years, uh, Pop Sugar about two years. So basically in a decade, I had been at two companies and seen two data sets and two data challenges. And I thought, you know, I'm not, I want to see like 50 companies. I want to see 50 different uh, use cases because I want to be a true expert. And I didn't still feel like I was a true expert in that field, knowing there's so many, there's so, such a huge variety of vendors, solutions, design patterns, best practices. I wanted to get even better at that. So I thought, you know, I'm going to do this. So I, uh, you know, and it was actually, again, it was 
quite simple in a way because I was a practitioner. So I could start on my own. Um, I just had the right uh, partner and vendors lined up at the time. I had just rolled out um, a tool called Looker at Pop Sugar for a year and a half. So I knew that tool very well. I knew the mm. company. It was a startup in the Bay Area. Uh, and I was able to talk to those, those folks and say, hey, I'd love to partner with you and love to start a business supporting data and analytics for customers. But I'm going to start with your tool. And uh, they were able to give me a couple of clients that needed help. And so I had my first two clients pretty quickly within a month and I was off to the races. Yeah, that's interesting because one third of my uh, guests come from the corporate world and I've heard similar stories before where they start, but they already have clients when they start thanks to the network they have acquired from the corporate uh, experience. And that's again in your case seems seems to be true. You know what's what's better than starting with clients? <laughs> yeah, no, that's very true. I in this case I started more with a partner, but it was very quick to get clients that way. So yeah, yeah exactly. You start with something, you sort of have a connection, you have a relationship with somebody, and that helps a lot. Exactly. But you had no experience of running a company. And you just took the leap of faith, although you already had clients. So what has been what has it been like running a company? I remember when when we first met, you said like Oof, I don't have any roadmap. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Tell me a bit more. Yeah, and again, there was much more clear roadmap for companies uh, for product companies. That was much better understood by me. I'd worked at product companies my whole career. Um, but for services, yeah, it was different. I figured I would just, I would just play it by ear literally. So I did have a couple clients. I'm doing most of the work myself. Uh, I always wanted to, the vision from the beginning was a full stack data engineering service. So what that mm -hmm. means is from the backend database, data warehouse, backend code, if you will, to the front end, to the user interface, a business intelligence tool, usually that can do analytics, reporting, dashboarding. And that that whole stack is usually three or four or five vendors sometimes. And it's a lot of different kinds of code and a lot of different approaches. Um, so I, I was more of a front end person. I knew I was better at visualization, best practices at rolling out um, a tool like that to people and training them and getting them to use it and adopt, adopt the system. So I knew I needed to hire a back end person to do more of the data warehousing uh, um, code, data pipelines, things like that. Um, so I was able to pretty quickly uh, hire somebody I'd worked with at Salesforce before. At first, he was a contractor. So it was, again, it was very easy to sort of go step by step and slow, slow steps. And I, I funded everything from cash flow from the business from day one. I really didn't have to invest because mm. I, could, I had cash flow from the beginning. So I had enough cash to hire him. And together, we did some projects together. And again, just enough to build up enough cash to then hire the third person and the fourth person. And um, for the first few years... You know, it was just, I, I mean, I was going to be happy if I had five or eight people on the team. You know, I thought that was big success for myself. And I did. I got four or five, six people, something like that in the first year, year plus, year and a half. Um, and that was relatively easy because I'm just hiring the same kind of person. I'm hiring engineers. But uh, but then I, you know, get, get started, started to really scale myself out. And then you start thinking about, oh, there's a whole another set of roles I've got to think about hiring and when do I hire them and how many and mm. what, what, how do you model the business? Yeah. So I, I just had to learn all that myself as I went. And uh, how has, how has it been? 
<laughs> well, I, it's been amazing. And I, you know, I don't, I, I'm always wondering if I have a, a guardian angel on my shoulder. I feel like yeah. it's gone really well and it's, and, and I've, I've really enjoyed the, the ride. Um, now it's not been perfect and it's not been linear. It's been up and down. I mean, the biggest, the first biggest test of the company was when COVID hit, of course, like mm -hmm. every company was tested then. Luckily, I'm a visionary, so I'd already had a, a remote first company when we started, and so okay. everybody was already remote. And now, all of a sudden, that business model was very well tested, you know, well adopted during the the COVID years, and um, and we never we didn't have to do a layoff or anything, but this business did slow down for that that summer. And then it started to pick up again, and um, you know, I I just I was able to hire leaders at first who I knew could take projects and take the whole thing themselves. I would think of them almost like partners in a way. They're not true partners in the sense they didn't own the company, but I, I brought them in to really take a piece of the business and run with it. You know, take some clients, sell as well, but also roll out projects, run them, do the whole thing. And so we were able to scale to about 20 people with me running the company and me doing that role as well, running some projects and having other people could run other projects mm. um, until, until again, I felt like I was scaled out. I was working you know, 80, 90 hour weeks and, uh, working a lot. <laughs> um, I was enjoying it though. Cause I've always enjoyed data. Like, like you mm. said, I've always enjoyed the space. I, I was really, I loved learning. That was my whole point at the beginning was to learn as much as I could. So I was learning a ton and I was becoming an expert. Um, so the first three or four years was all about learning the technical aspects and yes, how to run a company. But again, it was more just managing a certain amount of people, but I've built teams before and managed people before that wasn't really a stretch. It was more figuring out when we got to a certain size where I was completely scaled out. Now, what do I do? How do I actually um, scale myself? Listening to you, it sounds so easy. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you know, the economy has been great, especially in the US the last two plus years. So I, it was also a nice time to grow a company <laughs> when, yeah. uh, when there was a lot of demand. And this is what I'm trying to figure out, right? I mean, demand is always there for data. Every single organization needs a data warehouse at a certain size. And that's not a very big size, you know, 20, 30 people, 50 people, something like that. You, you know, you start to really need a data warehouse if you want to under, you know, understand what's going on at a, at a high level for the leadership, especially for the leadership of the company who can't see everything anymore. Hmm. So there's just always, always demand, but uh, it's always uh, interesting. Um, I mean, the market is constantly changing. There's new players coming in here all the time. The landscape changes a lot, so mm. it's going to be interesting to see where the future goes with with data. So I want to go back to your when you make the move out of the corporate world. Uh, if there are other people from the corporate world right now listening to us and you know wondering whether they should make the move, what would you tell them? You know, when when did you know that it, it was time you had to do it? Well, yeah, sometimes there's a forcing function. Sometimes you're out of a job or sometimes um, you're just, yeah, everybody has probably that trigger of you're just not enjoying yourself enough. You know, you know you're know, you not getting, um, you're not experiencing enough joy in your life mm. and and you would attribute it to your job, I guess. Uh, so yeah, I, I personally had some pretty uh, terrible bosses. You know, I just wasn't enjoying um working for some of the organizations longer term that I'd worked at. That was one thing. Um, and then again, for me, I just felt like I finally felt personally, I had enough experience to 
to leverage to then start something like this. And I had a network that was big enough that I thought, okay, I can leverage my network for a while because when you start out, you know, you're going to really need your network. That's, that's how you're going to succeed at the beginning. Um, and, and so I, I just felt that it was the right time for me. Uh, also I had two children and at some point, if you have small kids, most people are like, I'm not going to start a business right now. I've got two kids. I can't do that. Although I hear plenty of stories of people do. Um, but I, my kids were a little bit older. They, they kind of, you know, they were a little more self-managed. And so I also felt like, okay, I can, I can start a business now. Yeah. And you had cash. Well, not really. Again, I had, I didn't invest cash in the company. I just started, uh, you know, I had enough cash to survive for a few months. So it's not like right. I had deep cash reserves, but, um, but I was able to get a client within about a, a month of starting the business, starting to look around. And again, that's just because I had a great connection with a technology vendor who was also a startup. So happy to work with an individual um, consultant like myself. Um, and I already had a years of experience with that vendor too. That was the other thing. I mean, I had, I had become an expert in that technology. So I, they trusted me too. Mm. So it, it was easy to get, uh, have one or two people who trusted me be able to say, yeah, let me, let me introduce you to a couple of our clients. I mean, I had to take it from there, but I was able to convince them that yeah, I could help them. Yeah. This is how I started my, my own journey. Five, five years ago, I started with my network. You know, the network of people I met before uh, my, in my previous lives. <laughs> and so I got, this is how I got my, uh, my first clients too. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it, it's important to build your network. That, yeah. I think that's the takeaway. I mean, I, I was fortunate. I had a, have my MBA from the Bay Area. So I had a lot of network uh, from, the, from, the, from business school. And then uh, at Salesforce was almost a, an amazing place to grow a network because the Salesforce was always growing 30% a year, very fast, getting very big, very fast. And, you know, a lot of um, executives especially would come in and then cycle out, right? And a lot of them would start their own businesses. By the time I left, I probably knew 30 people who had been an executive at Salesforce and now were a CEO at their own company, you know? So, so that was especially nice to have a network like that where I could go talk to them and say, hey, I'm starting my own business. Can mm. I help you with data? Yes, very true. And then you mentioned several times um, the team and the people the people around you. Do you remember your first hire? Yeah, that was uh, this this gentleman I was referring to who was the back-end engineer, data yeah. warehouse engineer. Um, yeah. I had worked with him at Salesforce for a little while, so he was already a known entity. Um, but he was the first one that I brought in to work on projects with me. Um, so yeah, that was that was the first time. Yeah, and are there any people that have made a big difference when you hire them? Yeah, plenty of people have made it. I'd almost say everybody we've hired has made a big difference because we are a people business. I mean, that's mm. what we do, and everybody makes a huge contribution. Um, there's a couple. There's a couple. You know. Uh, people along the way i mean some and you know you don't you don't know this right before you hire them necessarily but um there have been plenty of uh engineers who've really just made a huge difference in uh the level of service and keep making clients really happy of course um i think the the, the one pivotal moment in the company was what where i was alluding to before it was when i had scaled myself out um and i knew that i needed a really more of a leadership team it wasn't just going to be me leading the whole company anymore. And I needed to be able to delegate out a lot of what I was doing. So then I could start focusing more on strategy. 
So um, my uh, chief operating officer, he came in. That was a that was a wonderful hire. And the the funny thing was, I wasn't even necessarily ready to hire at that moment. I had been thinking about it, but he came to me and wrote his job description and you know <laughs> uh, talked his way into a job. So he did a pretty good job. <laughs> well. That's 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 a good one. But you were ready to listen, so which means you understand that you had to get away from operations yourself which is one of the the main bottlenecks that I often refer to how how did you know because just because I was working so hard and I knew that I couldn't sustain this level of uh of work really and I, I knew I also wanted to continue to grow the company and there's no way I could grow it anymore at at you know with myself and so you know that's another thing as an entrepreneur especially time is so valuable because you are trying to do so many things and you don't have time to do a, a lot of deep research, a lot of, you know, preparation for certain things. And so you you get really good at identifying opportunities. Mm. When an opportunity comes up, you can quickly, especially once you have some experience, you can quickly say that is a great opportunity and you can make a decision fast, right? That's another nice thing about being a sole founder is I didn't have any partners I needed to run my decisions by. So I just could make a decision very fast. So when my COO presented this opportunity of hiring him and then taking over all of operations was the original plan. You know, immediately I could tell that was a big opportunity. Now I don't have to spend months doing the search, right, for that role, um, which I knew I would have to do at some point soon. Uh, and I already had worked with, with the guy. I knew we could work together really well. His name's Brian Albers. And uh, he had, he'd actually been working at one of our technology partners. So we already had a good relationship. So yeah, it was very much easier to say yes that this is a good fit, and so I could just jump on it. Again, relationship—the power of networking. One more time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And again, you, when you're growing a business, that first 10, 20 people in your company—that's all going to come through your network and a lot of your business. So yeah, a lot of it's going to be your you know network driven. And then when you get more at scale, then it's more traditional. Um, sources of clients and employ employees. Mm. Network. So, so you launched your business uh, six years ago. So, what what's your big dream? My big dream is to uh, build it up to a, a size that I feel like it's uh, it's absolutely absolutely going to be scalable and and it's going to be healthy indefinitely, if you will, like it's, it, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to launch it and let it go. <laughs> um, and it'll, it'll definitely run and, and be very successful. Uh, I don't know what that size is exactly, but um, we're about 45 people now. I'd love to double it at least more, one more time and get it to be a very healthy, efficient company at the same time. Um, and then we'll probably have an exit somewhere down the road, but mm. um, you know, typically uh, and what I have in my mind is probably more of a runway of 10 years plus total, maybe 10 to 15 years is what it'll take. And we're six years into it now. So you thought about it already. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've thought about it and it, that's evolved too, right? When I started, I thought maybe I'd be happy doing this for five years and, you know, and, and selling a small company uh, perhaps, but, but the more my role has changed and, and it's evolved, like, you know, every year I essentially evaluate, okay, how do I feel? Am I still enjoying this? Is it still, something I want to do. Can I want to keep mm -hmm. going? And every year the answer is absolutely. It's really fun. Uh, I love our clients. I love the, the people and the culture we've built. 
Um, and I love the challenge of figuring out how to how to keep keep this going and also grow it at the same time. So there's a there's a million things to consider. And I'm now that I have shifted, I have shifted out of the day to day and I'm much more in the the strategic two to three year vision. Um, I'm really enjoying that aspect of the job. So as I've evolved as an entrepreneur, I've enjoyed every stage of the journey and I'm still I'm still very much enjoying it. So yes, I'd love to keep going. You 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 mentioned you 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 enjoy every stage of the journey. Can you identify those stages for me? Yeah, at the very beginning, you know, I'm an individual contributor. Um, you know, I'm doing the work, and then I'm managing people. So it's that, that first stage is really just that that growth stage, if you will, where you're doing mm-hmm. you're doing all the work, and then I'm running the company too. I'm doing everything, invoicing. I'm uh, you know you know everything from invoicing payments, uh, yeah. uh, watching utilization rates, you know, hiring. And I'm, I've got to be really scrappy with how I hire. I, I can't necessarily go work with expensive recruiters. So I'm finding my own little um, uh, either programs to hire out of, like data data training programs or schools or what have you. So just getting really scrappy about everything and building mm-hmm. that. And at some point, when you can hire managers, essentially, um, that that's when you can start to scale yourself. You can start to delegate a lot of that work. And then uh, once you get a management team in place, you know, now you're more ready for the scale phase. Um, and so uh, the scale phase is where, you know, we can just continue to hire all the roles we've already hired and we have a, we have a hierarchy. We know what the org structure looks like. And now we can just keep adding more people as long as we can grow. Um, I, I guess what I would say though is the, uh, yeah, I mean, we're funding everything from cash flow and from operations. So that's a, tricky thing too there's not a lot of wiggle room sometimes so you have to you have to watch that too and make sure you can um be profitable all the time mm. yeah entrepreneurship one-on-one nice yeah so what's the next step well as we scale um further I th- it'll be can we prove out our org structure can scale the way it is or do we have to refactor our entire org structure i mean right now we're that's another thing in services there's kind of two at least two business models one is a more of a partnership model where you split up the business and by partner and then a partner just runs its own, you know, his or her own business essentially. Mm -hmm. So that could be a region. It could be a vertical. It could be a specific solution. Um, And then you, you can scale that way. A lot of traditional large technology or uh, consulting firms do that, but we're, we're actually going a different route. We're actually going a little more like a product company where we're just one company. We have sales, marketing, delivery, um, HR and operations, you know, and, and, um, and the question is, can we scale that? How, how far can we scale that until it's a problem? And I think by far the biggest, the hardest thing to scale at a services company is the actual size of the delivery team. There's, you know, every, for every new person you hire, that's one more calendar you have to manage. And one more thing you have to figure out in the puzzle of all the resources that go on which clients and when, and sort of scheduling and capacity planning is a really difficult thing to do. So I got to figure out how to scale that. And I'm not saying we figured it out completely, but we're we're getting there. Mm. So you're talking about productivizing your services. Well, no, I'm really talking about just how do you keep everybody busy? Is one yeah. way and when you have 10 people, that's pretty easy. When you have 80 people, you know, that's a whole nother challenge of, of scheduling and managing the schedule. Um, Productizing is another, that's a whole nother route we could go. And a lot of consulting firms do that. 
I mean, DBT Labs was started as a consulting firm, Fishtown mm. Analytics, um, which is a big uh, vendor in our space that does uh, data data pipe, uh, data transformation logic. Um, so a lot of companies do that, and we probably will have some products at some point. But um, right now, all our products are really more internal. We just use them internally. Well, good good luck with your next phase. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> if if you were looking at well, looking looking back at what the six years that you have uh, been a, an entrepreneur and a successful entrepreneur, uh, what have you learned about yourself? Yeah, I think I've learned that um, I can handle a lot more uncertainty than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm, yeah. I actually, I, I think back when I first, when I had a payroll of five people, you know, and my payroll was tens of thousands of dollars a month, even I was, that really scared me, right? I'm now responsible for all of these jobs and every month I got to make sure I can make payroll mm. or every two weeks, really. So I remember that how the weight of that was, that was really scary. Well, now, you know, our payroll is like quadruple that. And so mm. It's still scary, but like I feel it feels more manageable because we have more experience doing it. But yeah, I, I think I was like I was risk averse to a certain extent, and now I'm I, I'm much more risk loving, and I I've learned to like lean into my fears and just uh, face them, and then they you know, and then I usually can figure out a way to get to get over them. Did it take much work? Yeah, yeah, it took a lot of personal work. I, I just I guess consistently. Um working through my fears on a daily basis. Yeah. For years. I mean, it's, it's still, it's still something I work on, but um, I, I didn't do anything specifically. I didn't, you know, to, to address that necessarily. It was just you know daily working through it. Anything else you've learned about yourself? Yeah. I've learned that I really love the position I'm in now. I love uh, figuring out how to crack the code on the next thing for the company on the strategy on on maintaining and scaling a culture too. That's also a very hard thing to do as you grow and maintain this awesome culture that we built here. Um, you know, keep our people just feeling like they're really well taken care of because they are our number one priority. Again, we're a people business, not a product business and people are so important. So I've just learned that I love that. And I, I wouldn't have thought that at the beginning. You know, at the beginning, mm -hmm. I was much more thinking about becoming more of a technical expert, right? And, yeah. and now... I am not, I'm, I'm you know, not a technical expert anymore necessarily because I'm not doing the day-to-day -day technical work, but I'm enjoying running the company even more. So I, I you know, I'm happy with, I, I've learned that I, that's a amazing new avenue and a new, a new uh, career I didn't, I never considered before. Yeah. And, and a lot of listeners, if you're not, if you're just starting a business and you're still doing the IC work, yeah, you may not think about what it's like you know, when you can just run the business and what that, what that job looks like. Oh, you'd be surprised a lot. A lot of entrepreneurs get stuck <laughs> in, in the operations and they don't, they don't reach the level you're talking about uh, because one, they don't uh, delegate work like you did. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned the power of delegation, but also with, with delegation comes, you know, the delegation in terms of decision-making, Right. Because I see a lot of entrepreneurs, they hire people, they they create a leadership team, but then they do not empower them with decision making. So the executive team doesn't make any decision and the, the entrepreneur ends up making all the decisions so nothing changes. <laughs> and yeah, I guess you know, in, in your case, that didn't happen. 
Well, I wouldn't say, I mean, it's again, it's never a smooth ride necessarily. Yeah. Um, first of all, I need to, another reason why my uh, COO was a key hire is because Brian really helped me through that phase of delegating. And mm. you know, I definitely was not, uh, you know, sometimes I would try to jump in and work on something or, you know, take over some situation or something, because that's what I did. That's what I was used to for so long. And I had to, you know, it took me a while to learn to keep my hands out of the the weeds sometimes. So it's hard to do, especially for, again, for an entrepreneur who's done it all himself or herself. Um, so that took a lot of practice. Um, and the other thing I've learned more recently, I've, um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm in a group called Collective 54, which is a, a peer group of mine for professional services entrepreneurs. And Greg Alexander is the, the founder. He wrote a book called The Boutique, um, specifically about for services firms like mine, how to grow and scale those firms. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he would say that when you delegate, as, you know, as long as everything can be done 80% as well as you could do it, just leave it alone, right? It's never going to be 100%. And in fact, in a lot of times, it's going to be 120% better than what you could do. Yeah. Um, but if it, even if it's just 80%, just be happy because you're not doing it yourself and you've successfully delegated that out and you know that that's fine. Yeah, and then you can train the person and the person can do better, which is what yeah. where you want to go. It's like you said, it's like get those people to 120% of what you can do. Yeah, it might take a while. They got to be yeah. trained, but you need to be working on the future and that's where your time is most valuable, valuable being spent. Yeah, yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. Um, what are you the proudest of? Oh yeah, by far, I'm, I'm just proudest of building this amazing team with the culture. I feel like we have, mm -hmm. I, again, when I was, when I was worried about payroll for five people, I, I was really worried about getting to 10 and what that, you know, could I really do that? And can I maintain payroll like that? Our business is difficult. It's the, the visibility, the forecastability of our revenue yeah. still very hard. You know, you can't forecast out years in advance. So it's, you know, you have to be, and, and it's bootstrapped. So again, making payroll is always, you know, something that I want to do. And, um, and so I'm really proud to have done that for six years now and grown this team of almost 50 people. And I feel like creating all those jobs and those careers. And, and I really focus on careers and not just jobs, right? I want people to have a career here or have at least a really great piece of their career here. Obviously they're not going to do their, their whole career here. Um, so proudest of that. And then The other thing I'm proud of is just some of the clientele we built and all the use cases we've solved. That's what I was getting into this business for in the beginning. Um, we have some clients who said they saved two, $3 million dollars of operational costs, let's say, just wow. by understanding their data better. Um, we have some sports teams. I just got a note this week from one of our major league sports teams in the NFL that said our work quality is next to none. And they are so happy, you know, mm. with the, the team and the people and the work. So I, that makes me super proud, right? To know that we've built a team that can elicit that kind of response from a client. People, again, <laughs> they, they always come back to that. Like most most successful entrepreneurs, they always talk about people and the importance of people around them. Yeah, we people people's uh, one of our values is people yeah. because it's, so, it's just been grained and everything we do is it's all about relationships and people. Even all the data out there, right? Data is never successful without people who... <laughs> are really passionate about it, both on the client side as well. You know, we try to, another thing with a people's, when we think about people, we think about our clients and we want like our clients, specifically the people we're working with to be successful in their careers because mm -hmm. of, because they worked with us. So it's, again, it's more focusing on the people and, and the success of the people than, yeah. than the data. Itself. Putting them at the center of 
what what you do. Yeah, because that's what's most important. All right. Take all your experience now and summarize it into one practical recommendation for other entrepreneurs or wannabe entrepreneurs. What would it be? I think that would be face your fears. Like, do, right? <laughs> like just head, head straight into the head straight into them and just do it. You know, God, it's taken me forever to really fully understand the, I think the the reason why great leaders will almost always say that I they want to work with people who have failed because failure is where you learn the most. And, you know, people come out of failure have learned so much and you're going to fail at some things no matter what. Right. But, but again, if you can accept that, face that fear and just do it, you'll learn so much. There's no reason not to do something that you really think you might be passionate about. Just do it. Just try it. I really enjoy this conversation. You, you, you uh, strike me as a, a guy with a lot of common sense, very calm, but you seem to be enjoying a lot what you've been doing, what you, what you're doing. That's, that's, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I do. I, I do enjoy it all. <laughs> so I just have I try one to last stay calm. <laughs> yeah. It's a It's for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I just have, one more question for you. How can people contact you? Oh, yeah. Go to dataclimber.com. Uh, my last name is C-L-Y-M-E-R. So it's dataclimber.com. And you can find out all about us and you can contact me there. Great. Excellent. Thank you very much, Aaron, for, for your time today. Yeah, thank you. It was wonderful talking to you. And thank you for listening. Interviews Cracking the Entrepreneurship Code is available on all your favorite podcast platforms. Subscribe now so you don't miss any episodes. See you next time. Bye for now.